Father, we thank you for giving us this opportunity to be reminded about the beauty of friendship. Lord, the mutual beauty, the mutual love, the mutual joy of friendship. But Lord, we first want to thank you for being the first friend, for pursuing us when we weren't pursuing uh, you, for loving us when we had no love for you, for being there for us when we could have not been farther from you. And so we thank you for friendship and we thank you for the opportunity to be able to speak about it today through your word. And so Lord, would you remind us that you're a friend that's closer than a brother? Would you remind us that you're a friend that will never leave nor forsake? Would you remind us, oh God, that you are not a fair weather friend, but the fairest friend of them all? Remind us, oh God, you are good and we need you. So help us to receive this, your word, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So glad you're here. Yesterday, I had a very interesting thing happen to me. I was reunited with two friends that I haven't probably spoken to in over a decade. It was at a meeting that I was in. It's my home group meeting where I do service. I'm the hospitality. If you want weak coffee and bad for you cook it, come to Alive in Bed-Stuy. So, um, so it was a, a meeting I was in, and, and I connected with one who happened to show up. And I was like, wow, I haven't seen you in a long, long time. And so we connect there. And then during the secretary's report, because what else is there to do in the secretary's report but look up on your Facebook and see if um, uh, it's being updated. And so that's what I did. Right? Don't look at me like you don't do the same thing. Yeah, I know. Yeah, some of y'all are, I'm taking notes. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're looking at your Facebook, and we all know. Okay, so, so what happened was, is that, and I reconnected with a guy who I haven't spoken to in decades, and as I was walking home, I couldn't help but feel an overflow of love for the gift that God had given me in reconnecting with friends that I hadn't seen in a long time. Isn't it true that there's a special, there's a special emotion about reconnecting with someone that you once knew or that you had a deep love for? Maybe some of you have experienced this. Maybe it was a friend who reached out to you, a phone call from states and miles and decades away. Maybe you're just walking down the aisle of a, of a produce stand and then you see a friend that you haven't seen in forever. And it's like, oh my, it's you. This is, there's something about reconciliation. It's a universal thing. The only thing better than uh, making friends is reconnecting with old ones. It's a deep, beautiful thing. Maybe, though, maybe you didn't have to not see the person for decades. Maybe you didn't have to not connect or speak with the person for decades. Maybe they weren't separated from you by miles and states. Maybe they were separated from you on the other side of your bed. And you just simply hadn't connected in a long time. 
And then one day, maybe it was the counseling that you had received here at Recovery House of Worship. Maybe it was a book that you were reading. Maybe you finally sat down and started to reconcile some of your differences. But there was a reconnection. And your heart soared because of that reconnection. You know, I don't think that that's unique to Christians. I think that that's a universal emotion. Every one of us love reconnecting with someone we love. Every one of us love uh, mending broken fences. There's a special and unique emotion, but you know what? That's not just an emotion that you and I feel. That's an emotion that God feels and that God placed in you. God is the God of reconciliation. God is the God of mile-traveling God. God is the God of closing distances and re-communicating with those who are far from him. God is the God of reconnection. Now, we're in a brand new series called simply God. And what we've been saying in this series is that your view of God is too small. That God is bigger than you think and he's bigger than you can think. And so in the first week when we introduced it, we simply said God is a God of love and we made an overview of the series about how God is a a father, a friend, a lover, and a king. And how many of us lean on one side or the other. In the first week, we t- in the second week, we talked about how God is our father. And God is not a bigger version than your earthly father. He's a perfect version of your earthly father. We talked about how God is not only a perfect father, but perfectly loves his children and how he wants his children to come to him. This week, we're going to talk about how God is our friend, but this is so important. And the reason that this is so important is because God is into reconnection. And so for those of you who've been far from God for a long time, maybe you had a connection with God, maybe you loved God, maybe there was at one point you felt huggy, kissy, close to God, and you don't feel that kind of intimacy anymore. Those of you who are here, I want you to know that God is a God of reconnection. And he's pursuing you. And for those of you here who have a deep relationship with God and you love him, but you don't feel very close to him. It feels like there's some distance between you, as as does happen with friends sometimes. Isn't it true? My wife sometimes will come up to me. It's, it's almost a joke now. But she goes, Edwin, you look distant. In other words, I'm not like real present in the moment. And I always joke back. I go, I feel distant. <laughs> <sighs> and after we laugh, we start talking about how we can get closer. God is a God who doesn't want the distance between you. He wants to be intimate. And sometimes friendships grow cold and he wants to reconnect. But there are some of you here, it's not a reconnection, it's a connection. 
There are some of you here who've never even really wanted a relationship with God. In fact, if you had a relationship with God, God would ruin all your fun. My goodness, you would, have to have, you would have to stop your sex, and you would have to stop this, and you would have to stop. It would be no fun. Who wants that, right? And God is here to let you know. God is here to let you know that friendship with him is far greater than anything that you can get in a 15-minute session in a cheap hotel. God wants to connect with all of us. And for those of you who are hell raisers, who thought the ceiling would fall on you once you walked into the building, who thought that there's nothing that God could ever, there's no way that God could ever forgive your sin. I want you to know, God is pursuing you in friendship. You go, no, but you don't know what I've done. Good news, God does. God, you say, but you don't know how I am. Good news, God does. But you don't know what I did last night. It's all right, God knows. None of us are too far gone. None of us have gone too far. None of us. God longs for friendship with you. Now, because God knows that there's a bunch of us here and that there'll be a desire for us to leave friendship with him, leave relationship with him, either to have it established and then go away or not pursue it at all, God puts an incredible narrative, an unbelievable story, a tremendous recounting of a historic tale in his word. It's found in Exodus chapter 33. And God wants us to know, listen, here's the big idea for today. Just in case you have to leave for the bathroom and you find your way out the door, listen to me. If you have to leave early, here's the big idea. God wants us to seek his heart, not just his hand. God wants us to pursue him, not just for what he can give us, but that he could give us his heart. God wants us not just to pursue his fortune, the things that he gives, but he wants us to pursue his friendship. In short, God wants us to pursue, God wants us to seek his heart, not just his hand. In this passage, I got to give you some background story just in case you're new to the Bible and you haven't come to the Bible in a while. Because, you, you know, we read, we're like, you know, we go, hey, turn to Exodus chapter 33. And then, you know, there's, a, there's like a story here, right? You don't want to pick up a, a, a novel or a book and come into the middle of the book and expect to know what's going on. So let me catch you up on what's going on in Exodus at this point. In Exodus, what we have is we have a king God who invites Moses up to the mount so that he could have deep friendship with him. There's some things that he wants to share with Moses that he never wants him to forget. And so he wants him not to forget it to the degree where he takes his finger and carves out these 10 words, these 10 boundaries of relationship, these 10 commandments. Moses is on the mount for 40 days. Unfortunately, he never told the Israelites when he would be coming back because he didn't know. 
He went up there, and as he was away, day three, day 12, day 18, day 26, day 35, they were like, man, Moses got, got us out of Egypt. Moses got us out of slavery. Moses got us out of where we were stuck and felt in, ja in a jackpot. Moses got us out of there, but he's not with us anymore. So what they do is what you and I do all the time when God doesn't respond in the time frame we want. They looked for another God. And so they created another God, and we do this all the time. That's another sermon. They created a, a God, a golden calf, and they celebrated this calf, this golden calf that they had. They celebrated it and worshipped it, and Moses comes down, sees it, and is so disturbed, he slams the tablets on the floor, breaking them. And it's at this point, after that's happened, after the fury of Moses, the people have felt the fury of Moses, it's at this point that we pick up the narrative. What I just explained to you happened in chapter 32. We're going to pick it up in 33. Now, one of the traditions that we have in our church is that we stand at the reading of God's word because God's word is so much more awesome than my words and your words. So we stand to be reminded, oh wait, God is great. But don't forget, as we read this, I want you to know that God wants friendship with you. That God wants us to seek his heart, not just his hand. Let's read. Then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I, I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Parasites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn and no one put on any ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you are a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments, and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horeb. Now jump down to verse 12. Verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and have, you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, 
If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with people, your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. This is God's word. May God bless the hearing of it. So here we have an interaction, friends speaking. God called in the Old Testament two people his friend. One was, the, his name was Abraham, the other Moses. And what we're looking at is what deep communi- communion with two friends is like. God is going to speak to Moses about what his people has just done. And to say that God is hurt by it is an understatement. This is the God who had freed his people from slavery. See, it only takes me a second to say, or maybe three seconds to say, free his people from slavery. But those people were enslaved for 430 years. Just so you know, America's not 300 years old. They were in slavery for 430 years. God, this was the people that God had said, you will be my people and I will be your God. These are the people that God sent plague after plague after plague to Egypt to let them know that they were going to let his people go. These were the people that when they could not fight their battles, God fought it for them. These were the people that saw a body of water and God saw a way to freedom. These were the people who were going to be overrun by the Egyptian army, the most powerful army of that day. And they were nothing. They were no match for the King God who would protect his people. How far would you go to protect your kids? God did a great job of protecting his. Not one was lost that night. And we're not talking about five years have passed a very short period of time. And they've turned their back on him. They've moved away. They've gone, they said, you know what? Thanks, God, for getting us out of that, that bondage. Thanks for getting us out of that bind. But I think we'll pursue something else to give us pleasure. And after that, we hear God's words. And the first words that we hear from God are not the words that you think you would hear from a father who is hurt or a friend who has just been betrayed. Because God is different. God says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt. Stop right there. Any parents in the house? Yeah, there's a few of you. Okay. Let me ask you something. When your kids do really, really well in school, whose kids are they? My kids. Right? Right. When your kids have to see the principal 
and you're speaking to your, your spouse, whose kids are they now? Your kids. That's right. They're your kids. These are yours. You know what your child did at school today? You got to be a parent to appreciate exactly how that flows, right? Notice what God says. You and the people you brought up out of Egypt. God is a little bit upset. And go up to the land. But here's what he does. Listen to the beauty of who God is. And go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give you, I will give it to your descendants. I will, I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Parasites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. Look up at me. This is the dream coming true that everyone has been dreaming about. You and I don't have these kinds of dreams. You and I don't have dreams that have lasted for 430 years. You and I don't have dreams that have been sunk down into the fabric, the DNA of who we are. You and I have dreams, hope so's, wish so's, would like to be so's. You and I have dreams like, wouldn't it be nice? But these are dreams that they've heard about for generation after generation after generation. The God is about to deliver. They have just broken God's heart, and God is going to give them everything that they want. This is the greatest news they could have ever heard. If rebellion gets you this, rebel some more. Because this is everything that they've ever dreamed of. Verse 3 says, I will, I'm sorry, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I won't go with you because you're a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. God says, it's clear. You don't want my heart. You want my hand. It's obvious. You don't want me. You want me for what I can give you. It's evident that you're not pursuing relationship with me. You're pursuing blessing from me. You don't want God. You want God's gifts. And God says, you win. You win. I'll give you everything you want. You want a land of plenty? It's yours. You want a fertile soil? You got it. You want a, a God who'll conquer the people so that you don't have to fight a war? I'll do it. You want me to give you so much property that you'll have way too much space at the beginning, but just enough space for your people to grow in? It's yours. You want security? It's yours. You want wealth and prosperity? Have more than you could ever spend. I'll give it all to you. What else do you want? Because there's a people. There are a group of people who, if they got everything they want but didn't get God, would call that heaven. 
And there are people that if they got God but they didn't get anything else would call that hell. God is saying, you win. I guess I can't compete. I guess what you want from me is what I can give you. Not myself. Nobody. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes to acknowledge that. No wife likes to be loved only between the hours of 9 and 10 at night. No wife. No husband only wants to be respected on Friday at pay time. No husband. There's something about being used. There's something about being pursued, not for you, but for your fortune. There's something about that that is heartbreaking to us all. And God says, it's a heartbreak, but I'll give it to you. When the people, but when the people heard this distressing words, look up at me. When the people heard these distressing words, how would these people react? These infidels, these rebellious people, these people who had gotten all the things that they wanted from God but didn't want God, how did they respond? Let me tell you how most of us would respond. We would be like, okay, cool, I'll take it. You know how I know? You know how I know? Because I see people come into our church in the most desperate of circumstances. God cleans them up, gets them ready, gets, works them up. They stay clean. They're not using anymore. They now are, be, are able to pursue their dreams. And all of a sudden, they schedule their college courses around. They schedule their college courses to, to, uh, uh, to, to contradict their time with their Lord. They, they get a job, they're now employable, they're socially, they're, they're socially respectable, and now parties get in the way of their time with the Lord. Thanks God for the gifts. I never really wanted you anyway. Now they have an opportunity for overtime and they say things like, but I gotta get out of debt and I gotta pay down these bills. And of course the response is, but who gave you the job in the first place, Papa? They, they find, you know, right, you put on a little bit of weight, you get a little bit cleaned up, you put on a little bit of perfume, you learn how to tie a tie, you come to church and you meet the person of your dreams and you say, no, 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 thank you. I, I don't want to worship at the altar of God. I'd rather, I'd rather go to a bed and worship at the altar of her. You see, this is for all of us. What would their response be? It's a profound one. When the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn, and no one put on ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you are a stiff-necked people. If I were to go to you with you even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments, and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horeb. Interestingly enough, they never put jewelry back on again. For the rest of their days, they walked around brokenhearted about breaking God's heart because they were learning the lesson 
that it wasn't enough to pursue God for his hand. They needed to pursue his heart. I love God in this paragraph because God is like a torn parent or like a a best friend who doesn't know what to say. He goes, listen to what God says. If I go with you for a moment, I'm not going with you. Get off this mountain. I'm not going with you. If I go with you for a moment, I'll destroy you. Now take off your ornaments while I decide what I'm going to do with you. What? If I go with you for a moment, I'll strike you down. Now take off your ornaments while I think about this. Because when friends really love, they go, this is how I feel. And I'm not going to break this relationship off. You've broken my heart, but I'm not going to let your actions separate what I'm going to do with and for you. Now, in verses 7 through 11, there's an example of how Moses would interact with God, how his friendship would grow, and it looks an awful lot like communication. And if you're writing notes, that's a great place to write. Friendship with God looks an awful lot like communication. It looks like talking to him. I'm not talking about talking to God generically. I'm talking about talking to the one who created you, who, who not only made you, but save you, not only created you, but bought you, the one who is the only one who's ever been there through it all, talking to him. Well, there's a great example of that in verses 7 through 11. You should read it when you get home. We'll jump down to verse 12, because now we hear Moses' response to verse 3. We'll see what Moses says to God. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, the, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Hey, listen, if you're looking for a scripture to memorize, would you just underline, circle, asterisk, put a bold mark, highlight, just... Verse 13, I pray that that's on your heart every day. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Interesting, Moses' response. He says, you have been telling me, lead these people. You see in verse 12, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. No, 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 God did let him know. But Moses knew exactly what it meant. God said, do you remember what he said in verses 1 through 3? I'll send an angel with you. But God, what God meant was that he would give direction, but not intimacy. God would give, God would tell them where to go, but God wouldn't be there with them. And Moses is saying, not enough. Not enough. I want more of you. I need your friendship. Listen, listen. I need your friendship. Moses was not satisfied. The rest of 13, Moses says, 
Remember that this nation is your people. Verse 14. There's an interesting interaction in verse 14 and 15. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, pause. At that moment, do you think that Moses wasn't paying attention? You go, what, what, what's going on here? Is, is Moses not listening to God? God just said, my presence will go with you in verse 14. And then Moses responds back, if your presence won't go with us. Dude, did you not hear what God said? But Moses heard exactly what God said. See, God had said this. Moses, my presence will go with you, singular. And Moses replies, if your presence doesn't go with us, plural. All right, all the leaders, all the pastors, I need you to come a little bit closer. It's not, listen to me. It's not enough that we pray that we would have a deep relationship with God, but that we pray that those that we shepherd well, those that we lead well, those that we, that God has entrusted their spiritual care to us. Listen to me. It's not enough. It's not enough that we would have a deep relationship with God. See, this is what most people want. Most people want a God of verses one through three. You know, this is, what, this is what most of you want. Most of you want, here's what you do. You give your tithes and offerings. I get my paycheck. I go into my mountain, my office. I spend about 20 hours there digging into this word. Then I come and give you whatever God said. The paid professional comes, gives you whatever God said, and you're tickled by it or you're moved by it or you're not moved by it or you feel like you've checked off your spiritual good list and you keep it moving, but you don't want intimacy with God. That's not my prayer for you. It's not enough to have a professional come to you and tell you what God wants. You need intimacy with God all by yourself. You need, you need time with God. You don't need wisdom from the pastor. You need wisdom from God. You don't need friendship from the pastor. Listen to me. I wonder about the people who go, I couldn't, you know, I called the pastor, and they wouldn't, they didn't get back to me. And I wonder, was Jesus busy? Was his phone not to you? Did you, did you, did you miss him? Because he's the shepherd of this piece. He's the pastor of this flock. Most of us would rather have a professional where God is distant. He tells us, the professional does, tells us what God told him, and we can have a safe distance. Moses' prayer is not that. Moses' prayer is that they would have a sacred romance. It's not enough for me to have your presence with me. And when God says that he'll have your presence, what he says is the, the, the word in the Hebrews is special. It literally means face. I will send my face to you because there's something precious in the friends being face. Isn't it true face to face? Haven't you ever met somebody on the internet? What's the first thing you want to do after you met them and you like them? What do you do? I want to see you face to face. Why? Because there's something intimate. There's something beautiful. There's something wonderful about that. There's certain conversations that your doctor may want to have with you, and they're so sensitive. He'll say, I need you to come into the office. I need to have a face to face with you. God is like that. 
He says, I'll send my face. Moses says, it's not enough if you're just going to send it with me. I want you to send it with everyone else. I want you to know that the pastors at the Recovery House of Worship, that the leaders at the Recovery House of Worship long for you to have a deep friendship with God. That's why things like what we did yesterday, a day of delighting in the Lord, it was an investment, not in having a person come up and say, okay, so here's what the text says, but an actual opportunity for you to create space so that you might develop an intimacy with God that you don't yet have. Deepen one that you already have and strengthen one that's already strong. Moses said to God, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people? from all the other people on the face of the earth. Moses wants God's intimacy with all of them. And the Lord said to Moses, I'll do it. I'll do the very thing that you have asked because I'm pleased with you. Now, look at me. How could that be? God is a holy God and his word has said before that God cannot countenance evil. God cannot be in the same place as evil. God can't have deep communion. So how could God have communion with these people? How could God walk with Moses face to face? There's a reason. You see, God could walk with Moses face to face because, he's tur- because the Father turned his face on Jesus. You see, you and I look at salvation from what was done, something in the past. They were looking towards the future. See, there would be one who was intimate with God from the from before the foundations of the world. There was one who was God himself, who was eternal. And that one came from heaven to earth and paid the penalty for your sins, even though he was innocent, and died the death that you deserve, even though he deserved nothing but praise and worship. There was one who had intimacy with God, who got on the cross and did everything that God wanted him to do. God came from heaven to earth and did everything that God wanted him to do. And then from the cross, from being tortured, never screaming out until this moment. It wasn't the nails in his hands that made him scream out. It wasn't the torture and the ridicule that made him cry out. But he cried out with the love with a longing voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The one who had intimacy with God since all of eternity found himself all alone. 
See, the reason that Moses and his people could have intimacy with God after they had broken God's law is because the one who had never broken God's law was broken under God's hand so that you and I might have intimacy with him. So that broken, fractured, screwed up, and messed up people, people who have all the things turned upside down, could have intimacy with God. So that those of us who were here, those of us who do not want to can walk with deep friendship with God because Jesus, who had the deepest intimacy with God, listen to me, God wants that for you. He's your friend, and he wants that for you. He wants that for you. So what will you do? Will you turn away from that? Will you, will you say, thanks, God, but I'll take the gifts. You know what, God? I don't want your heart. I want your hand. You know what? I'll check in. I'll do the spiritual calisthenics. I'll read my Bible on occasion. I'll show up on most Sundays. I'll just check in. Or do you want that intimacy with God where he walks with you moment by moment? Listen to me. He'll walk with you through the hardest moments of life. And listen, I haven't been through what most of y'all have been through, but I've had a tough moment or two. And I've discovered that in those moments, God is closer than a brother. That God is more intimate than a lover. I've discovered in those moments that I've never found myself alone. You'll discover that too. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray what you just learned today. I want you to Take what we just learned today. Basically, it's this, that God wants us to pursue his heart, not just his hand. And I want you to make that into a prayer. God, would you help me this day to pursue your heart and not just your hand? When you're having trouble in your relationship and all you want is God to smooth everything out. When you're walking through a divorce and all you want is for God to take the pain away. When your child is sick and all you want is for them to rise up from that bed of affliction, listen to me. Would you be my friend? Walk with me closely. I want that for you. So this week, what I want you to do is I just want you to take a minute and say, God, I want to be your friend. Lord, would you help me to be your friend? Create intimate moments for us today, even in this minute, even as we go through the day. You know what would happen if you did that? If you did that, your anxiety levels would go down. If you did that, you would be afraid less. If you actually stepped to God every day, in the morning, just before your day started, and you said, God, I want to grow in intimacy with you. Remind me that you're closer than the people on the train. You would, listen to me, you would be bolder. You'd have more confidence. You'd be able to walk through discouragement like a champ, and people will go, why? Why are you not so discouraged by this? Because my friend's with me. Because my buddy's with me. Because the one who loves me has promised to be with me. 
and I know that he was with, he's going to be with me because he said he'd never leave me and he'd never forsake me. Oh, I want that for you. So what are you going to do? Are you going to move on throughout this week just getting angry at God for not giving you all the things that you want? Are you going to go throughout this week just doing uh, life as usual? Or are you going to go throughout this week and say, God, oh man, we're going to have a time. We are going to get down. This is going to be awesome. We're going to grow in intimacy. And I'm going to create space in my life so I can feel you as a closer friend than I've ever felt you before. He'll walk you through the addiction you're trying to kick. He'll help you during the insecurity that you're facing. He'll deal with you with the sin that you don't want to turn over. He will. He's good. 